Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Green grass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. No way. Three, four, three. And now, Bears Etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak, and Tom Sandek. A lot of developments after a road win in Washington for the now 1-4 Bears getting ready to host the 1-4 Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field Sunday at noon. Hello, everybody. Jeff Joniak along with Super Bowl winning Bears guard Tom Thayer. Welcome into episode 24 of the Bears Etc. podcast. Good to be with you every Tuesday and Thursday of the regular season. And today's guests include the play-by-play duo, Paul Allen and Pete Bursich of the Minnesota Vikings Radio Network. Uh, no doubt some lively conversation. Tommy, getting ready for another NFC North battle with those two guys. Yeah, you know, we each have a lot invested in our teams and our organizations, where we come from, how much we love our teams, the investment and time that Pete and I have with each of the teams and you and Paul have in the business. So it's a lot of fun because it rarely happens that all four guys get a chance yeah. to get together and kind of speak freely about the experiences they've had so far. All right, we'll take a look at that. But first, we take a, a very long injury report today, Tommy. Uh, on Wednesday, no Khalil Herbert, Travis Homer, Lucas Patrick, Roshan Johnson, or EQ St. Brown, three of those guys with hamstrings, two concussions, and, uh, and an ankle. Kyler Gordon, Eddie Jackson, Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, Terrell Smith, limited, and they have a variety of different ailments coming back from. We're going to talk mostly about Kyler Gordon, and then uh, Doug Kramer, full go as he recovers from a thumb injury. Uh, but it's Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon, uh, according to Matt Eberflus, we'll hear some of his comments. In fact, let's play him right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a couple things you got to evaluate. First of all, it's the conditioning level. Uh, we'll see where he is there. Um, and we got to look at his movement. You know, his movement should be good, uh, but really just with, with his conditioning, you know, and then how the use of the hand, you know, how he's going to use that hand. How does he feel good uh, in terms of his position? Um, you know, at that position, you have to take on blocks. You have to take on stock blocks. You have to take on fan blocks. You got to be able to fold in there and make plays in the, in the run game. Uh, you know, in certain gaps inside. So, you know, how does he feel uh, that way? And then really just executing his coverages, you know, and I think that uh, he's always done well with that. Uh, he's always been quick. He's always been instinctive. Uh, we anticipate seeing that as well. But uh, just really how he's going to use that hand in his job. Yeah. You know, one thing about being a defensive back, you have to be able to disengage from offensive linemen that are coming out to the edge to block you. You have to be able to engage and disengage against receivers when they're trying to block you. You have to be able to use your hands when you're going to approach the line of scrimmage and tackle a running back or you're going to approach a wide receiver or a tight end and try to make a tackle to me he talked about his conditioning but when you go through the process of hand, having a hand injury your conditioning is the one thing that you can take care of so to me I expect Kyler Gordon to be in equally as good condition when he got hurt up until, you know, coming back Sunday. And he was having a great start to camp in that first game of the season against Green Bay. Uh, I was very excited about him uh, at the nickel spot. He was going to focus on the nickel, and I assume that will remain the case, Tommy. Yeah, you know, but the Bears and John Hoke and all the defensive backs coach, they have to evaluate some of the impressions left on from the guys that have had an opportunity to play. Is that going to increase the versatility of the defense, the the versatility of the defensive backfield? Is it going to allow you to attack more from different angles if guys got certain experiences against the teams that they've been able to play so far? So I think it's kind of exciting for the Bears when you have a chance to develop depth and then you get good players to come back. All right, one of those good players right now is Terrell Smith, played some really physical football. Here's Matt Eberflus on the impressive play, the young man out of University of Minnesota. Yeah, we love where he is right now. Um, he's really growing, really improving. Um, you know, We like where his tackling is, his coverage ability, his competes, um, his takeaways. Uh, all those things are really good, and he's just got to continue to improve. He's going to play for us, um, you know, how much and all that will work through the week on that. But uh, we certainly like where he is just in terms of his overall skill. I think John uh, Hoke is doing an excellent job with those young corners, um, you know, and, it's, and we're excited to get Gordon back in there, you know, and, and, and Jalen as well. So it's nice to have guys in there and we'll see where all those guys are this week, the guys that are coming back, but uh, uh, exciting to see those guys back for sure. And I know we talked a ton, and I did specifically about Tyreek Stevenson throughout training camp, but Terrell Smith is, uh, has really made an impression. I-, I love his physicality too. 
Yeah, me too. I, you know, I think sometimes when you're introduced to the game of NFL football after you play college football, it kind of takes you a little time to say, okay, I do belong here. And I know if I continue to study, if I can, you know, get in better shape, get a better understanding of opponents' offenses and the routes that are going to be run against me, I can improve as rapidly as I did through my college career into my NFL career. And I think those are some of the growing opportunities, the growing pains that every young player has got to find their way to and through. Good news, Chicago United Airlines getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat, and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. Jeff and Tom of the Bears, etc. podcast. So big news coming out with, uh, I, I didn't, I mean, this guy's never missed a game. Uh, he didn't want to come off the field the other day uh, when Minnesota played Kansas City, but Justin Jefferson goes to IR, Tommy. With a hamstring, uh, here's Matt Eberflus on what adjustments a defense has to make without facing Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, you certainly adjust your your scheme, you know, to a great player like that, you know, and it's uh, you know, it's always there's a handful of guys in the league that you would do that for. Um, so it allows you to play more basic, um, more 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 solid on both sides, as opposed to uh, you know tilting your coverage one way or the other. Um, so that's the that's the, the the basic way of saying it without giving too much away. But I do believe that uh, you know it certainly allows you to play your your base way that you normally play uh, against a normal guy, um, normal people, rather than playing against a guy that's elite in the top three, two or three guys in the league, which he is. So he's elite, Tom. That that takes a huge weapon off the field. Uh, how would you then approach this team? Because Kirk Cousins is the second leading passer in the NFL in terms of passing yards, and he just lost his big gun. I know, but you know what Jeff scares me about that is if I was playing against a team and they lost a premier defensive lineman, it's not like you can just have you know have a sigh of relief and say, okay, everything's going to be okay and we're going to be able to control this game because Justin Jefferson isn't there. There's other guys that are going to stand up. There's other ways that the offensive coordinator is going to see the field and he's going to change um, the way that he attacks it, the opportunities he gives Kirk Cousins, how they'll use the tight end, how they'll use the other receiver. So it's almost like you have to have a little bit of emphasis of more seriousness when you don't have a superstar because, gosh dang, when Justin (laughs) Jefferson's there, you know that he's going to get – 12 to 18, you know, uh, targets a game. Right, and he's been averaging six first down receiving uh, a game. Uh, his catch rate is very high. He gets a ton of yards after the catch. Uh, he he puts you on your heels a little bit. So, it, yeah, you're losing a lot. But, you know, I'm thinking Hawkinson's going to get a lot of involvement. And I, and I know these receivers, uh, they're pretty good, but they're better with him. They're better with that guy than alone. And, and maybe – Maybe one emerges. I don't know, but hopefully it's not against the Bears. Well, Justin Jefferson was great before Jordan Addison got there. How yeah. do you know Jordan Addison doesn't take advantage of an opportunity where he gets targeted six to eight more times a game, and all of a sudden he shows his explosiveness? You know, and then you know if they have a quandary when Justin Jefferson comes back, going, "Oh my, you know this Je- Addison kid's pretty good too." So I'm just saying, you know, Jeff, you have to be on high alert when a superstar is missing because the analytics are all screwed up and you can't just uh, go by, oh, they're going to do this on this down because Justin's on the field. All right, you know, we we had to come up with ideas to preview this game for the TV show for Bears Game Day Live and, and some other things that we do. And, you know, one area that I think we should touch in this show as we preview the matchup is pressure. How pressure will affect Justin Fields when it's going to be coming at him potentially with four, with five, with six, with seven. He's gonna they're gonna bring pressure with that coordinator, Brian Flores. But opposite to this is what kind of pressure will they dial up against Kirk Cousins? Because right now, and this is an NFL Gen stats, uh, I just saw this before we started the show. Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in TD passes in rhythm through the first five weeks of the season. Whatever their analytics define rhythm. He's got ten. And that's defined as dropbacks with a time to throw between two and a half and four seconds. I don't know who he's got four seconds to throw in this league anymore, but two and a half seconds, you know, that's about right. But he's thrown 119 touchdowns in rhythm since 2016, the only quarterback in the league over 100. Just for comparison's sakes, this year Fields is number four on that list with six in rhythm. 
my definition of rhythm is either if you're taking it from under center, you set, you throw on your back step, whether it's three, five, or seven. In the shotgun, you, you, you step up a little bit. You, you have time in the clean pocket that Justin had, and you let it rip. Yes, Kirk Cousins is a rhythm quarterback. So what aspects of the Bears' defense do you feel can disrupt that rhythm starting Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field? Kirk Cousins is a rhythm thrower because he doesn't have escapability or the athleticism that some of these other quarterbacks are blessed with. So if you can keep him in the pocket, don't give him him any escape route. If you can condense the area of his throwing rhythm and then either put your hands up and try to take up some throwing lanes or interfere with his throwing foundation. That's the best way that you screw up Kirk Cousins. And when you don't have that rhythm of Justin Jefferson knowing how quickly he wins the route in every time you break the huddle, sometimes your vision is gonna have to take that half a second, three seconds longer, which in the life of a play is eternity. So, you know, you got to close that two to four seconds down to 1.38 to two seconds maximum. And that's why it's going to be important to use the creativity the Bears did on defense by bringing the extra blitzer, be willing to bring the linebackers from the line of scrimmage, and the defensive linemen have to continue to win their rushes. And I think that's a key ingredient when you're playing against a guy like Kirk Cousins. That's top there. I'm Jeff Chioniak. Let's uh, now segue into our conversation with the voices of the Minnesota Vikings, Paul Allen and Pete Bursich. Uh, we've never done this before. We always have the analysts on, Paul, and occasionally the play-by-play guys, so I thought this could be interesting. We're going to have the two, half of the NFC North broadcast crew together on this <laughs> podcast to chop it up and preview Bears-Vikings Sunday at Soldier Field. Paul's been in the booth, what, since 2002? Yep, 02, 2002, Mr. Joniak. And Pete was the Vikings' quality control coach, then assistant D-line coach, then assistant linebacker coach through 2005. He couldn't hang on to one position. He just kept moving him around. Maybe you were moving up to D-coordinator, but then <laughs> you come up, you go to the booth in 2007. So you guys have been together for 17 years. It's been crazy. It's been a long time. Twenty. It's 28th season with the with the franchise. So don't like. I don't like to bring that up because somebody might just say, "Yeah, you've been here for too long." Well, Tom and I are 27, <laughs> but Tom's got you know he's got nine years with the Bears on top. So Tom's approaching 40 years. But you know what's crazy about Pete is because we just saw Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera kind of climbed the same ladder you did, Pete. But when that Y in the road came. He stayed into the coaching, and you see where he's at now, where yeah. you, you know you stay in the radio part of it, where Ron was in the radio part initially. Yeah, and, and what's interesting with Ron is is um, when I first got into coaching after I was done playing, I spent um, uh, it was two it was two thousand and one, uh, went to the combine, and Tom Alvadotti was my position coach, but Tom introduced me. Uh, uh, to Ron and then Ron actually spent a you know he spent a ton of time with me um, and was great and one thing you learn about the NFL and coaching is is, is the hardest job to get is your second job hmm. right so I was with the Vikings for four years I interviewed with the Patriots before my fourth year is after my third year of coaching and then um, about a year after I was out uh, just before, it was just it was just before I took the job, I believe, with the radio. But they were, but Ron had called me because he was interviewing with the Dallas Cowboys, and he said, "Hey, if I get the job, do you want to come down here?" You know, so getting that second job is a tough one. I made the decision that I wanted to stay in Minnesota, and so the only way to be involved in football would be to to do the radio. You know, they had to you had to talk Childress into letting me do that because obviously he came in in two thousand six and fired everybody. And I, you know, I owe it to Bob Hagen, uh, who was our media relations guy, who said, you know what, he's 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 going the radio route. So he's not trying to get back into coaching. Don't worry about it. And uh, they brought me on, and I've been there ever since. Paul, uh, we're lucky to have both of these guys as our analysts, ex-players who are passionate about the sport, aren't we? Oh, no doubt. And and I had the privilege in 02 of starting with uh, former Vikings tight end Joe Sensor. And, you know, uh, it's like, you know, I don't know if, if it's old school or, or uh, expectations or whatever, but like, you know, when Mike Tice was the coach, I had known Mike through horse racing. 
back to the 90s. So my first job uh, at, in play-by-play at any level, Tice was the head coach. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I immediately got in in a way where the trust is going to be challenged as they want to make sure they can trust you if you're watching practice. So as you guys know, man, it's very, very important in this game. But like with Joe, it's when Childress came in, well, then all of a sudden nobody's watching practice, former players, announcer guy, none of it. Well, I I couldn't care less, quite honestly. But like with Joe, he just didn't feel like he could do the job or was enjoying the job the way the way he was oh two three four and five so he left and then in comes pete and um and it was adrian peterson's first year it was his rookie of the year season and i just never will forget how excited pete was in that nice low level one of my favorite uh, uh, calling angles in all of the NFL is at Soldier Field. And you're about five booths down to the right, so you know that low video game angle, man. You guys are just so blessed with that. Uh, but but Pete was so excited to call his first game in his hometown, Chicago. I mean, he went so out of body in an unbelievably exciting game where we'll, we'll never forget Devin Hester putting in a double move on Dwight Smith. Lately. I'm still mad at him. I am, I'm still <laughs> pissed at him. Like, you know, just how do you get beat on a double move? And then Lance <laughs> I mean, yeah, the guy, I mean, that was when he first started putting him at wide receiver. And right, oh. Longwell walked off, and it was exciting because we never wanted Soldier Field, but I was excited for the analyst because he got to come home and get a W. Hey, Paul, I, I just want to ask you one thing about your building. You, you have the new building you guys are playing in. To me, it's one of the nicest stadiums that I've been in the NFL throughout my career. But when you think of the old atmosphere at what Dick one time referred to as the Roller Dome, is there a difference in the atmosphere from the old stadium to what this new one has been able to develop? Um, awesome question, and the answer is yes. Now, when we have the Minneapolis Miracle game, that's about as loud as I've – what's the loudest I've ever heard U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, 09 NFC title game at Superdome is the loudest – I've ever heard any concert, hmm. game, stadium in our lives. and uh, But with the Metrodome, you know, it um, it was so intimate. And, and you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's anti- it was antiquated. Uh, so Metrodome was more intimate than U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, and, and I'm not being Homer announcer here, guys. I mean, you guys have seen all of the stadiums like we have. We got to that Miami thing last year with that awful corner. Awful, awful. Uh, FedEx sucks, you know, Awful. and you guys were just there. Well, how about Merrill Reese and, uh, and yeah. Mike Quick? A few years ago, after the pandemic, they just refused to go. That's how bad that booth is. Um, but I, I honestly believe because of the amenities, the lighting, the booth locations, and just everything, it's the best stadium in the National Football League. I, I would agree. I would agree. Everybody yeah. asked me about that. I also love Seattle. It's just a, a different vibe there. It gets loud there, and it's just well, a, how about a Gillette? Unique, yeah. Well, yeah. I wish we got to go to you Gillette know what? more with that booth. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. and, Jeff, and, Jeff, if I can piggyback on what Paul was saying, when, when, when um, Tom was asking about the Metrodome, there was something to be said about having a place where people, the other teams, did not like to go. Yeah. Right? The turf wasn't really great. It had a, because of the painting for football or for baseball, and then the football, it had this powder on it that made it like somewhat slippery. It, you know, the, the, you had to walk down and up all those stairs to get out of the field if you're, a, if you're a visitor. So the opposing teams did not like coming to the Metrodome. And that's just the beginning because then it was loud and then it was everything else on top of it. So I think everybody enjoys going in and out and being in U.S. Bank Stadium. So, it, it, you know, maybe that's been a trend across the NFL where, you're, you know, when, when I remember playing a candlestick and walking out to the field and there's water running off the field down the <laughs> stairs into the locker room like it was a river. I mean, you know, I'm sure Tom has a million stories about how bad, especially Philadelphia, how bad stadiums used to be and how that used to be an advantage to the home team. Whereas nowadays they're all, you know, pretty much all the stadiums are really for the most part, uh, fantastic. We, and no, you know, home or away, it doesn't matter. It's we, a great place. We had a TV show sun, a Sunday night game before I think Colin Kaepernick's uh, first NFL start against the bears. And we're, we're there at like, you know, 10, well, it's late at night, 
we're doing our show and all of a sudden there's a, a family of raccoons walking right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> they made the TV show unbelievable. Unbelievable. But yeah, Tom's got a theory, you know, once we uh, get a new stadium done with Kevin Warren, uh, wherever it may be, Tom's got plans. Make make the opposition feel uncomfortable, right, Tom? What's the first oh, thing you say? I say make the most inconvenient walk from the locker room to the stadium, <laughs> that, the stadium surface you possibly can. Make the locker room itself super cramped because when you think of old Candlestick Park, you think of old Cleveland Stadium, yep. you think of some of those old archaic buildings that we had to go in as a full you know, a full game day roster plus all the trainers and all the other support staff. It's just a miserable three hours that you have to spend in yep. there and can't wait to get out there's of there. The, Tom, there's well, nothing wait, like, yeah, there's, yeah, you, Tom, I'm saying, Tom, there's nothing like rolling into a stadium and sitting down at your locker and then having to share it with like one or two other people, right? When you're in the visitor <laughs> locker room. It's the worst hey, ever. Hey, Jeff, you said the, the next Bear Stadium, wherever it's going to be, and, and we both know Kevin Warren, Bears president, incredibly well. I got a lot of respect for Kevin. Uh, but uh, but nevertheless, how's it – I mean, it better be in Arlington Heights because being a 30-year racetrack guy, for Arlington <laughs> Park to be eradicated and then there not be a stadium there, come on, man. Hey, you know, it's a process. That's all I know. I, don't, I know there's a lot of discussions with Chicago once again and uh, some other uh, – metropolitan area cities here so we'll see we'll see what's going to okay. happen but yeah i think it's uh everybody's doing their due diligence here and uh every every fan wants to know uh we're on the bears etc podcast and we're brought to you by pnc official bank of the bears with paul allen and our good friend and the guy who just won't go to dinner with me in suburban hinsdale pete bursich <laughs> along with tom thayer <laughs> yeah, i mean i don't know why you won't go my analyst that's right a, here i don't know that's if I a had lie a bad number or whatever for you are the worst. You there was a time in your life you were the worst at returning text messages to the Vikings radio network in the history of anybody we texted. Who is that? Me? <laughs> yeah, that was you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, listen. Yeah. It's not only it's not only the fellow broadcasters around yeah. the league. So a couple weeks ago, we're playing in Tampa Bay, and it's like three hundred degrees out. And so <laughs> I go on I go on the super early bus, and I'm a, I sweat profusely. So two hours before Jeff is leaving his room, I text him a message, and I go, "Hey Jeff, if you get a chance, could you grab a, one of the towels out of your room so I have something during the TV show?" Never heard back. Never got back to me. Didn't bring the towel, and he goes, "Oh, I." I didn't want to answer my phone. So listen, it's no, it's disrespect to everybody. Not only you. Wow. I knew it would oh, flare into this. Going hard to the hole. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, there's, I was going to say, yeah, there, there's, Damn, I thought, I thought we were special. Tom. <laughs> I thought we were special. Oh, no. Oh, listen, I, I don't want to get into the Kansas city game where he forgot his sunglasses on the bus and then he left his cell phone in the toilet. I, I don't want to get into that. That'll be for a whole yeah. nother Wait. podcast. You know, we are as close to each other as announcers as you possibly could be. Our our, our crews, uh, they become family. Uh, and, you know, as you can tell, we're airing some laundry here and whatnot. But, uh, no, I've known Tom, uh, you know, for a very long time, but the 27 years uh, most impactfully, and we are like brothers. Unfortunately, I'm the little brother who gets pounded on. Uh, what's your relationship like uh, outside of the booth? My, my part will be quick is um, I just love Pete. And, and honestly, to have somebody else in the booth, as long as I call Vikings games, I really don't ever want to have anybody else in the booth. I just I think we complement each other beautifully with the way God gifted me to do it. And uh, his his even keel demeanor, yet he jumps up there, you know, because he genuinely cares and he gets the game better than me. So I love working with Pete, man. The funniest part is my first game in 2007, my first preseason game, I got zero in the way of, of anyone saying, well, this is kind of what you do and this is when you talk and this is when you don't. Everything that I owe, everything that I am as a, as a broadcaster, I owe to Paul because Paul, you know, love isn't giving somebody what they want. It's giving them what they need. And Paul has always been there to say, Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you know, even during a broadcast, he'll pull me aside and say, hey, you know, and, and he's, a, you know, he's given me the uh, he's a stickler on pronunciations, on names and things. And so I've, I've made that my mission, my goal to make sure that that's, you know, that's what I do. But he's always there to pull me aside and say, hey, when this happens, try this or this or this. And it's, all you know, so he's given me um, 
he's learned he's 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 learned everything the hard way, and because of that and his generosity, I don't have to learn things the hard way. And it's it it's been an absolute. I mean, Paul, we've been through we've been through like just like you and you know Jeff and, and Tom, we've been through a lot oh, yeah. <laughs> as far as this team goes, and uh, you know the surviving it together and, and, and being where we are now. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. And so, and I don't, I don't thank Paul enough publicly and I want to thank him right now. It's just, he's uh-huh. been fantastic as a mentor and everything else. Well, look, can I, I got to ask you a question about the modern day Vikings because I, this is why I've been wanting to ask you guys. Yeah. I, I get up and I kind of start the same routine. I get up, my get my dogs out. I walk them early in the morning. Then I turn the, the sports TV show on and I just listen. And, um, Every single day, it seems like there's talk about Kirk Cousins one way or the other, whether the good or the bad, the trading or the not trading. Is that starting to kind of, you know, not upset or, you know, kind of take over the narrative of the team, or is it something that's not talked about as much as I'm hearing it talked about? Well, I mean, it's it's a lot a lot of the origin of that, Tom, and, and I get asked a lot about it when I do interviews outside of the market or even just like living my life here. Um, it's, it's functioning clickability for a lot of secondary type websites. So I'm like when Tom Pellicero or Adam Schefter or somebody puts something out there that, that I will know is legitimate. Well, then I'll start thinking more about it because, um, to whom much is given much is expected. And when Kirk took that, uh, took that three year guaranteed piece into the 2018 first time in the history of the NFL, Minnesota is a very habit state. I'm from Washington, DC. I've lived all over the world. Pete's from Chicago, but I've lived here since 98. So I've learned it's a habit state and it, you know, they, it's Kirk's worst season with us was 2018. So there are a lot of people who just never forgot the cash and then the pick sixes. So, uh, that's from a fan standpoint. I think they're a little too hard on him. But um, no, I don't really take it seriously until I either get steam from the inside that it may be happening, or a big dog puts it out there on Twitter. You know, for Kirk too, he is what he is, right? He's he's a pocket passer. He's unbelievably accurate. Um, good arm strength. Um, doesn't move. You know, he's there. Uh, easier to pressure him in that respect. So I think. A lot of a lot of the criticism and things that people come up with, they just dwell, like they fixate on those things that he can't do. And I'm sure you guys see that in the same thing in Chicago is that everybody wants to talk about what the quarterback can't do, but what they forget are all the things that he can do. And oh, by the way, go ahead and bring somebody else in here and see what how bad it can be. You know what I mean? It's it, it just bothers. It that's the part I think that bothers me is is just you can't make them into something they're not. So you have to find a way to live and learn and and win with where the you know who they are and what they're about. You know, one of the big things uh, with Justin Jefferson being sidelined right now, and as a broadcaster, I'm always bummed when the stars, the superstars, aren't going to play uh, because you only get so many opportunities in our career to call the the superstars. So he's not going to be there. But you know. 50, I, I looked it up, 59 of Kirk's 112 completions of 25-plus since 2020 when he became aboard uh, have gone to Jefferson. So that connection is something that we see brewing right now, at least the last couple of weeks with DJ Moore and, and Justin Fields. How rare is that uh, to embrace and miss when it's not there? Well, I mean, whomever was the first person, Jeff, in you know before the pandemic in 2020, we're, we're at the Combine in what, February of 2020. And then, you know, a month later, everything changes. But being at that combine, whomever the first person was to say, this wide receiver draft is the best, is going to be the best in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we're old schoolers. So I'm like, all right, cool. Talk to me after 25 games. Well, they were right. It was. You guys got Darnell Mooney out of it. And, you know, I can tell that there's an adjustment with Darnell's game and Justin still growing. And now DJ's there and and Kometz, he he was a problem before. And now he's more of a problem. Um, So Jefferson came out of that draft. And um, and, you know, Pete and I knew nearing the end of the 2020 season and then 21 two, and this year, he seemingly cracks a Randy Moss record either. Vikings related or NFL related every two weeks. And it's like when you're, when you're passing Randy Moss and Lance Allworth and Michael Thomas, when he was hot, 
you, you just know you're onto something. So he and Kirk very comfortable together. Uh, but but this is a pass first team where the tight end gets a ton of uh, gets a ton of opportunity. This USC rookie Jordan Addison has three touchdowns. Osborne will sneak up on you if you're not paying attention. And you know K- Kirk Swivel is very apparent. He is a pocket guy, but he he's not a one read guy. Um, and, and Kirk's an equal opportunity quarterback, but he, he knows where the uh, metaphorical bread is buttered and is with number 18. You know, you, you think of the uh, Vikings going forward, the contract status of Kirk Cousin, the contract status what Justin Jefferson wants. You know, you got rid of Dalvin Cook, who was supremely respected and one of the top running backs in our division. How is this team going to – fix the gap. I, you know, I mean the contract to Justin Jefferson or the quarterback future is the, is the future quarterback on your roster or is it, you know, thinking outside, um, outside the room? Uh, yeah, that that's an awesome question. I mean, I handled that a lot with my KFA and radio show. Um, I, I'd be curious to get Pete's thoughts on that because uh, I'm, I'm quite, quite honestly into the season. I was surprised that a quarterback of Kirk's caliber is going to be most likely, no, he will be a free agent after this year. Um, to which my initial response is, is I mean, seriously, if you think finding a quarterback as good as Kirk Cousins is easy, okay, may, may God be with you and, and best <laughs> of luck to you. And maybe they obviously have something up their sleeves that A, I'm not asking about, or B, we don't see. And again, when you pay somebody, you're not, you know, uh, yeah, what you've done in the past, you say you get paid for what you've done. It's like, no, you're getting paid for what you can do. And what you've done in the past should be an indicator of what you can do, which is why we're paying you so much. But he's he's not getting any younger. So the question is, is how much can he command at his age with what he's done? Now, if, if that's palatable and the Vikings can keep him there, I'm sure Justin Jefferson would be – very, very happy about that. But if it becomes an issue where, you know, his expectations are up here, you know, the Vikings are saying, no, I don't think in three years you're going to be, you know, making that amount, then that's a tough decision that they have to make. And, um, you know, over, that's the thing. It's, it's the business. I'll say this, though. I have the utmost amount of confidence in Kevin O'Connell to find and develop a quarterback, no matter who that is. That I mean, really, that the it's the most difficult position in all pro sports. It's the most important position in football. You have a guy that played it, that's coached it, and you know I I I, I trust what he does and what he says, and I think that you have the right guy in place to handle this transition if it comes sooner than later. Take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today here on the Bears, etc. podcast. We got time for two more questions. I'll start with one, and time you can wrap it up. Brian Flores. Loves the pressure. So it's uh, today, uh, Matt Eberflew said, yep, you guys bring it 61% of the time. Uh, what should Justin Fields and company expect, the offensive line expect from Brian Flores with this NFC North matchup Sunday? But P- Pete is much more equipped to answer that question than me. I'm just going to get this out of the way. Uh, there now have been, in, in my um, uh, 2022 calling Vikings football, there now have been two things this year that I, I don't think, I mean, here, here is the, the, the early week stages of the game-calling depth chart. Yeah, So yeah. we still got a lot of work to do with it. Um, there are two things that have been put on that game-calling depth chart this year that I've never put on in my life. When we were in Carolina, Bryce Young's yards per attempt was 4.2 uh, with 71 throws. So I'm like, wow, I've never put that down before. And really, with all due respect, because he's still maturing – um, and he played 15 last year and five this year, 75 sacks in 20 games. I mean, I've never, ever put anything like that on the game-calling depth chart, so that, that's all I have to offer on that uh, commentary, <laughs> Peter. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's our philosophy, right? It's, it's kind of what the defense does, and I think if there's something for Flores, you take a look at uh, what went on in the offseason with free agency, with everything else. There weren't there weren't a lot of moves made on defense. So you, you had a 31st-ranked defense a year ago um, that with the same guys, maybe a couple undrafted free agents, but for the most part, the same guys uh, playing much better. They're 
it's their philosophy. We going into week five, there were only three players in the NFL that had blitzed 30 or more times. And all three of them were on the Vikings team. Now you're going to show blitz all the time, but are they going to blitz all the time? No, they're going to drop. They're going to send five. Sometimes, sometimes they'll send six, sometimes four and sometimes three. And it's, it's that cat and mouse. It's that cat and mouse and that chess game that you play with, putting guys on the line of scrimmage and then dropping some off or sending them. So the quarterback doesn't know exactly what he's going to get. He's going to take the safe bet, quick throw to the outside, and then you just have to rally and tackle. I think with fields, if you can get to him early, then his eyes don't go down the field. They go to the rush. And I think that's, that's really what you have to do. I think we have the athletes now um, that, can do a better job of chasing him down if he does decide to run. He's going to get his yards one way or the other. The thing is, is if he gets it dropping back, pulling it down, and then scrambling, I think the Vikings can live with that, right? What you can't live live, live with is letting DJ Moore catch a hitch and then breaking it for fifty. You can't, you know, you can't live with with fade routes and, and the big explosive passes. So. I think for the Vikings defense and for Flores, they're going to want they're they're going to say, okay, that's that that's our game plan going into this. And you know, I don't know what the what the what the uh, status of your running back room is, but um, you know that running you know the, the running the, the ability to run the football is going to be important for you guys. And and we'll see if that's going to be handicapped or not. Because if it's on the more it's on fields and him throwing, the more we're going to blitz. Let's just put it that way. You know, guys, I was looking at one of the stats that the Vikings are minus nine in turnovers. And a couple of weeks ago, mm. Kevin O'Connell said, look, if whoever <laughs> turns the ball over there, I'm going to look to replace him. Does he carry that kind of cachet into the locker room? Because I know throughout the Ditka era, he gave us a lot of, um, you know, threats and they and he was willing to make a change at the drop of a hat. So is that message clear to the players about how serious he is about it? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, Cam Akers is here, um, and and nobody knew he'd be here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Madison's still getting a fair amount of carries, but you know, you you you. Yes, he is serious. Yes, he is very well respected. Um, I, I get the opportunity weekly to do a sit down one on one interview with him. Tape it every Tuesday called X's and O's. Pete's also there to take it in because he does a film study with O'Connell right after. And man, we've been from Mike Tice through Brad Child. Bruce Leslie Frazier, Mike Zimmer, and now this uh, with Kevin. I mean, he he's one, one of our absolute favorites. We adore him. He cares. He wears the losses and, and is upset for the fans on his sleeves. Um, so, And he's an elite offensive mind, and he's also an elite leader. So you don't – you know, what 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 the team did last year going 11-0 in those one-score games, it's so disrespectful to coaches and players to say that they got lucky repeatedly and all the work they put into it with the execution – Hey, I'm a horse racing guy, man. Every photo finish we got last year, our nose is getting down second this year. And again, we're not homerific announcers here. Um, we Kansas, they, they, they should have beaten Kansas City, quite honestly. They should have beaten Philadelphia. They should have beaten the Chargers. And they should have beaten Tampa Bay. And they didn't. That minus nine... And Pete giggled when you brought it up because he just knows it's working on my last nerve with his calls. <laughs> and I'm getting apoplectic and, and I'm getting loud with some of them because I'm just getting pissed off. See, and I understand seasons are snowflakes. No two are the same. However, what we've seen in 2020, I've never seen in my life losing eight fumbles through five games. And where they are on the field, down at the goal line against Philly, at the two against Tampa, we're rolling down the field against the, the L.A. Chargers like the 27 Yankees, man. Hawkinson on the run, middle of the field at the 28, drops it. Uh, yeah, Madison had a screen last week against uh, the Chiefs that was set up so beautifully it would have been a first down or get to the house. Just quack. Look, look like our friend Adrian Peterson, with all due respect, trying to get some break. So it, 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 it just is so frustrating, man. Hey, hey, Tom, here's the other thing, too, is is you say, you know, you fumble the ball, we're going to replace you. Keep in mind, we've had six different people, players, fumble the football. Mm-hmm. There are five offensive linemen on the field. So you only have six other people that touch the football. Yeah. Well, all six of them would have been replaced. We wouldn't have a quarterback. We wouldn't have a running back. We wouldn't have either of our tight ends. And we wouldn't have Justin. And we wouldn't have Powell. I mean, we wouldn't have anybody. So it's almost mind-boggling. And part of me thinks it's guys now all of a sudden trying to do too much. 
it's 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 gone to a level that like I said, PA and I are just like incredulous to it. So if we come out of the if we come out of the gate and we start moving the chains, don't panic, Tom. Yeah. Don't panic. <laughs> you know, Jeff, don't panic. Well, no, don't right. panic. Don't panic until that ball crosses the goal line because we've been known to get rid of it all <laughs> at yeah. every point down the way along but, but, the way. But Jeff and Tom, just just to put a fifteen second wrap on this. It's the other side of the ball, too, that we've never seen, at least in my life, where Chargers game right in the hands of second-year corner at Caleb Evans. And, of course, oh, yeah. he off into the awaiting arms of Josh Palmer. So he scores, of course, he scores a touchdown. Just last game, rookie corner Makai Blackman had one, couldn't bring it in. They got third and 18, man, and, and we're going to beat Mahomes. And he, he chucks one over the center of the field to a, a wide receiver named Justin Watson, our safety cam Bynum right there, but he mistimed his jump, and it went through his hands. So, I mean, we're seeing that, too, on defense. Well, from our perspective, we certainly hope the ball continues to bounce away from your good <laughs> hands that. and into I'll ours. Bring that sack thing up yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. you will. So I heard one say apoplectic. I heard the other one say, uh, what was it, incredulous. So we got a lot of big yeah. words from the big guys from Minnesota. And hopefully, after all these years, remember the days, Tom, when we'd run into PA underneath Soldier Field before the game. We shake hands. Take it easy, Anasana, today. Yeah, I know that you guys are from the big city. This is what he would do to me in his early days. He would just be giving me the business, but I love yeah. it. But no, it was prophetic because I was teasing you before you yeah. kept leaving Pete and I on red with these text messages. <laughs> hey, hey, before we go, I, I do want to say this because, yeah, I play from the heart. Your quarterback's coach, Andrew Janoco, is one of my all-time favorite people in football. I love that man. We pray on the field before every game when we get the opportunity. We did that here with the Vikings. And I had a chance to meet Matt Eberflus last March here in Minnesota um, at a church function called Arise with the Guys. And, uh, man, we chatted a lot. And I know things ain't great right now, but that man has a heart of gold. He is an elite football mind, and I really, really pull for Matt to do well. A lot of people do. All right, we got to run. We'll see you on Sunday. Uh, bring it, and as you, as you always do. You guys are outstanding. Uh, some of the best hey, announcements. Wayne Larrabee and Dan Miller both just texted <laughs> me back. <laughs> hey, you got to you gotta try me. You got to try me. Hey, this is going to end. We can, this, right, this, this, can we get this, to the coffee pot? We just need the coffee pot out of your booth. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Can, we get, can we get there? I'll be there as much as you want. Donuts, okay, donuts are there, too. That's all, that's all I'm worried about. <laughs> Love you guys. Love you guys, too. Paul Allen, Pete Bursage. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you. All right, well, that was a lot of fun, Big Tom. That was fun with those two guys. Well, I'm glad I still have my college thesaurus around (laughs) because I did have to go up and look a couple words that they used. Well, listen, man, we're talking football. We're talking to a couple of C students here. (laughs) So you can any word that's over eight or nine letters, I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, God, they're fun. But, you know, that's what we love about the division. We we, Certainly, we're very close to Wayne Larrabee up in Green Bay and uh, Dan up in uh, Detroit and Loma. Thomas Brown, just fun guys. You get to see him twice a year, and that those, that adds up over the course of our NFL careers. So it's good to hang out with you those know, that, guys. That was a great idea by you, and I wish we could do it more because I think with all four of not being specific to the game, you know, not being moments before kickoff and having a chance to talk a little bit about of experience because each year we get to talk to Lomas from yep. up in Detroit. And I love that dude. And he's yep. a fun guy to talk to. And he's so gracious and happy. And he's got such a great disposition that, you know, and I was messaging Pete and I said, maybe this is an invention of a new podcast yeah. where you do it to every team in the NFL, but most certainly your guys in your division. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun in the division. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's a scheduling thing, you know. You got to get – everybody's got it. Everybody's got other things going on, so it's hard to put together. For all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning, the one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. DJ Moore, NFC Player of the Week offensively. Now, I was shocked by this one. I would I would have lost this bet. The last Bears receiver to be Player of the Week. I know it's just it's an honor award. It should reflect the entire offense and the way that offensive line protected Justin Fields and Fields uh, with the on-target throws. But the last, do you know who the last one was? Have you already seen this? You're uh-huh. not on Twitter, so you wouldn't have seen it. Take a guess. The last Bears receiver to be Offensive Player of the Week in the NFC. 
Brandon Marshall? See, that's what I would have thought. No. And nope, it's not Brandon Marshall. Then I went to plan B, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey had a 200-yard game in his career. The last one was 1999, and it was Marcus Robinson. Yeah, Marcus Robinson. You know, he ran a lot of streak routes. They used to call it nine routes back in the day where he was so big, so talented, you could use the sideline and then use his size throw it up and put it in a position where only he could catch it. And if it tips off of his fingertips or he misses it, it harmlessly falls out of bounds. So, But in the course of then double-checking that, I noticed something unique, and I'm glad it happened. And I don't know if you remember the game. I know I'm bringing this stuff at you cold here, but 1990 season, of which you were a part of on the offensive line, you guys, right. were, you guys were graybeards at that time. I saw the ages of everybody. You were 29 the entire offensive line of the Bears was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Do you remember what game that was in 1990? Because I went to look. There was nothing extraordinary <laughs> like that. I didn't see any statistical craziness. Do you know? In Arizona, out in Arizona. Why? What happened? Um, it was really funny because that morning, Jay woke up with the flu. No, when Jay gets the flu, he's all in. They actually – he. Came on the early ride to the stadium with me. He was thrown up in a plastic bag. He got there, and they tried to get him ready to play the game. And whenever Jay gets the flu, man, he's over the edge. And so he came on the early transportation with me to the stadium. He was thrown up in a in a plastic bag. We got to the stadium. He tried to recover, and he couldn't recover. And so they shipped him out the back door in an ambulance and oh took him gosh. to a hospital. And so Jerry Fontenot ended up starting the game. And we went out there, and we crushed him. We, we had like 250 yards rushing. And then we flew back home, and Jay had to pay for a flight and fly back on his own later that night. And so uh, we got home. And as we are gathering the next day, Dick has said, hey, remember Wally Pip? And <laughs> you know who Wally Pip is? Of course, of course. Everybody knows Wally Pip. So he got Wally Pip okay. by, uh, yeah. by Jerry. He got, yeah, got Wally Pip by Jerry Fontenot. And yes, we are the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Vizzy Hard Seltzer, the official Hard Seltzer of the Chicago Bears. All right, got a couple other random thoughts, Tommy. Um, the team right now, is third in the NFL in explosive plays. So they made a huge jump here. I went back, looked at the statistics. One week ago, they were 21st in offensive points scored. Now they're seventh. Third down yards, they've gone from 22nd to fifth. They had 180 yards on third down on Thursday. DJ Moore had 140 of those. He's now the NFL's number one receiver on third down, and he's averaging 21.3 yards a catch on third down. That's the big play football. But – you know, you, you think about all this, holy cow, Justin on 20-plus yard throws, number one in the NFL in completions of 20-plus yards. It, can it fix that quickly is my point. Can this be sustained? Well, I mean, it's got to – everything's got to work together. You have to have the proper um, protection for Justin where he's not hassled. He doesn't have interrupted vision, and he's always had long ball accuracy. And if you give him that opportunity, he can be successful. And then you get the combination of Luke Getze calling the right play at the right time. I don't know why it's not sustainable, but that's going to be interesting to see this week, and it's a good thing you're playing at home because you're going to have a lot of things at your advantage. The game you're coming off of, the ability to use a, a verbal snap count, and it's up to the protection of the offensive line. All right, mentally, a defense goes in facing a team that knowingly, they pass the ball 70% of the time, they run it less than 30% of the time. So they're not, as Paul Allen indicated, they're not committed to running the football. So are they already one-dimensional when you walk in the building? No, because the Bears have been giving up some yards to the run. So I think you're going to have to investigate the opportunity if you're the Minnesota Vikings. And because you don't have Justin Jefferson and you can use multiple tight end sets to see if you can gain some susceptibility to success at running the ball. But I don't think they'll ignore throwing the ball as much as they have, but maybe they'll get down to a 55 45% um percentage rate rather than throwing it so often to Justin Jefferson. All right, I got thoughts on Cairo Santos. We rarely talk about him, and that's a good thing because it, it was a time not that long ago when we were 
obsessing about who is going to be the Bears kicker, but he's done a great job as a Bear. I think you'd agree. Uh, this season, all 25 of his kickoffs have reached the end zone. So we, uh, we haven't spoken to him. We don't know what he's done in the offseason, but they, they used uh, Trenton Gill a lot last year kicking off the football. That's one, one thing right there. He's number 10 now among active kickers and field goals made in the NFL. And since joining the Bears, tied for the highest field goal average as a kicker uh, at number five. And as a team, the Bears are tied with Vegas at number one during his time as a Bear. Uh, is this an underrated weapon that we're not giving enough love to? Well, early portion of the season is I wish I had the schedule memorized and I could know exactly where and when the Bears play outdoor and difficult weather conditions because sometimes that's what haunts Kairos the most. And, um, I, you know, I guess that's what I, that's kind of my wait and see about him. Okay. Um, Brock Purdy in San Francisco. First quarterback in the Super Bowl era to start 5-0 and in both his first and second season. Some are saying he's now on the MVP watch list. This is some kind of story. I got to tell you. Well, I mean, listen, it's, it's an extremely versatile offense, mm-hmm. and you have to have the right quarterback to run the offense. It's not because... It's not because of the head coach that Purdy's playing great. Purdy's playing great because he's got a lot of weapons and changes and unbalanced play calling, and he's he's really making great decisions. And now I'll leave you with this as we wrap things up. Uh, right now, when you spend over twenty nine ninety nine at Steinhoffels, that's two thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. You score a one hundred dollar Bears Pro Shop gift card. Visit any one of their four Chicagoland locations in Vernon Hills. Crystal Lake, Downers Grove, and Harwood Heights, or shop online at steinhoffels.com. You're going to love this one. Bill Snyder, the uh, former head coach at Kansas State, was there a long time, turned that program around. We all know who he was. Uh, This is a quote I picked up. He said, the weight room is the heartbeat of your team. It creates its mindset, and you are not consistently going to beat anyone without gaining advantage in that area of the program. That would have made uh, Clyde Emmerich very happy and proud. Is that the truest statement of football you've heard in a while? There's never been a more truer statement ever made, and I'm glad a guy with his experience and his lineage had made it. I could wear a medal around my neck with his face on it because of it. And um, to me, when all these people want to look at excuses why a lot of injuries are happening in, in the NFL – it's not because of field conditions or the surface they're playing on. It's because a lot of these players don't attempt to get as strong as they can possibly humanly be to protect all elements of their body. And so, Bill Snyder, thank you. Yeah, that, that was a statement to end on for sure. Big Tom, uh, good luck on uh, your preparation for the Bears and Vikings. It's fun to be back in the division, and uh, I know you'll be there bright and early on Sunday, buddy. Good luck. What the heck are you giving me good luck for? Hey, you know what? We all need a little good luck these days. I don't need luck days. to prepare. I got, it right, <laughs> I got it right here as I point to my heart. Unagi? And that's right. And I got my Lahaina Strong t-shirt on. Yes, yes, indeed. That's Lahaina Maui. Don't forget about the Hawaiian fires. Right. We got, we got so much in this world to worry about right now, big time. I so know. much. You're but right. you're right. Let's not forget what happened. Uh, yep. Never, never. That's a, that's a long way from finding a conclusion and uh, getting on the right track, I'm sure. All right, Tom, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Our next Bears Etc. podcast drops Tuesday for our Week 6 recap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody.